Cochrane for all. Better evidence for better health decisions. Welcome back everyone. It's Andre here and I'm here with Mo Kochinski and Ruth Elwood-Martin who have just had a standing ovation. Uh, the only standing ovation that I witnessed at this conference, Cochrane for all, um, because you just did the most amazing keynote presentation, the two of you. Um, and you really touched people in the room, I think. It wasn't just a kind of, hmm. that's a great project. People were really moved by what you presented. So congratulations for that. And thank you so much for doing what you did. Now, I yeah. wanted to start off by asking you, what's the prison system like in Canada? Is it, is it kind of an open and closed system? You know, what's a typical profile of a woman in a Canadian prison in terms of vulnerability and trauma and mental health and addiction and poverty. Can you give us a picture of that? Yeah, well, we have two prison systems in in Canada. We have um, the provincial, what's two years less a day, and then federal, what's two two years plus a day. Um, So I basically work with women in the provincial system because there's less funding in the provincial compared to federal. Um, So the average stay is anywhere from 30 to 90 days. They're very short sentences, just long enough for women to lose everything they have on the outside, go in, and then come back out with nothing and have to start again. And it's a cycle. So I know with my jail bit, when I was in, my first one was uh, 11 months, there was women that came in 10 times, the same women. So it's, a, as one of my documentaries is called, Revolving Door, right? Because it's such a revolving system, right? Women are just in and out, in and out. And they only get 30 days, 20 days. Like the sentences are really short, right? And so in population, 95 if not higher, are all drug addicts who are in jail because they're supporting their drug habits and a lot of mental health now. Yeah. And what backgrounds do they come from in terms of the experience of trauma Um, and poverty? Well, our population is probably 50% are First Nations, Aboriginal population. And then, but most of them are childhood trauma. We actually just started a uh, study on the AIDS um, childhood trauma. But from our research and from dealing with and being in you know as a peer of the women being in jail most of us all come from childhood trauma somewhere along the line I mean why else do you choose to pick up a drug right you know and numb your life and walk away from your children I always say how powerful drugs are is when a mother can walk away from their children right and it controls you right yeah so Ruth how did your creative work come about in the first place Um, and how did you engage the kind of wider prison and healthcare team in that work uh, so as I, I, I started, first of all, in the prison as a prison doctor, kind of a bit dubious about whether I should be doing this because it didn't seem like it was a very prestigious kind of job. Um, but when I, when I for, from almost the first time I worked there as a, as a prison physician, um, I was just uh, struck by the health disparity and the illnesses that I was witnessing. And... Um, I, and you know, looking at the international medical literature, it's worldwide, prisons all, all across the world. And so in, in the literature I read, it, it, I became aware that this is a public health opportunity. And so what should I focus on? So I thought, well, maybe if I did sort of look to pap smear screening. So I'd seen a couple of women in the clinic who had invasive cervical cancer. We, you know, we know the evidence that this is a preventable disease if women in, uh, take part in screening. And I thought, well, maybe we could do an intervention where we try and increase the the um, pap smear screening that we're offering inside the prison and provide education. So I got involved in that for quite a few years and we designed and led and implemented a, uh, an intervention 
um, and then we linked actually to the provincial registry to, to compare it to the general population, but we were also able to look at the pap smear screening rates following the intervention. We realised that, disappointingly, that women following their release from prison didn't actually continue with the pap smear screening as they had in prison. So it kind of made me realise that actually maybe cervical cancer screening isn't top on the list of the women's health priorities. And at about that time, then, I, I did an online course called Action Research, um, which I've now kind of renamed as community-based participatory health research. And in that kind of research, um, you invite the participants to help design the research questions. What are the important research questions that we should be looking at? And then you invite the participants to partner with you in in designing the study and in gathering the data and interpreting the data and in disseminating the results. So as I was doing this course, I was thinking, oh, this is the type of research we should do in the prison. And um, uh, and we should, engage, you know, I invite the women to be part of this. And um, really, uh, sort of several relationships made that possible. I couldn't just do it on myself by myself as a prison doctor. You, you really have to engage the whole system in order to obviously start that kind of research. But I was very fortunate at that time because the prison warden was somebody who, when I explained about participatory health research, it was completely congruent with what her vision of what a therapeutic prison was going to be. So she was very enthusiastic. And then um, also in the prison there was the recreational therapist, and she was enthusiastically supportive. And then the Aboriginal elder, um, Elder Mary Fayant, um, she was initially quite suspicious of what research was, but when she realised that this type of research is what we were offering, she was again very enthusiastic. So as a result, there were some very key champion people within the within the prison system that all thought this was an amazing idea, and so w- w- it was a basically a green light to to proceed. Mm. Interesting. <clears throat> Tell us why you think creativity is is healing and transformative in this context. What what is about that process? Do you want me? Um, for for me, as somebody who was there as as it was starting, um, you know, in the buzz through the jail, it was a lot of opportunity for people to, to first time ever speak up, you know, and get their voices heard, and you know, as um, Allison and Dr. Martin, everybody said, like, you know, you guys are the experts. And they're like, yeah, right, we're the experts. Like, no one's ever told us anything except for negative comments, right? You know, all of a sudden have these positive comments. And, you know, and like, as, um, and women, when they get, because now they're, they've left the street life, they left the drugs, they come in, right? And as soon as women come in, they're like, okay, hey, that's it, I'm done. I'm never going back to it. I'm never using drugs again. And it's a really good opportunity. These people already want to change right they're done right um so they were just like sponges right they just wanted you know and the, like i was saying in my talk the range of topics women you know talked about there's nothing they didn't bring up right and uh just to get their voices heard right you know it's not being unsilenced yeah right so when we started when the women um wanted to continue working on the research team um, I was just amazed about how enthusiastic and how creative they were. So in the prison, there were a couple of computers uh, that the women could use, um, and they taught each other how to do PowerPoint presentations. So they wanted more research forums, and then they would present on their passion, whatever topic it, it, they were they were researching. But they'd have to go to the correctional officers or the, the healthcare nurse.
resources to say, could you go on the internet, please, for us and research this topic? And we need more information about this topic. Um, but then the women who actually knew how to use a computer would teach the other women how to, to do it. So they would learn from each other. Uh, but when they actually um, presented their PowerPoint presentations, I have never seen such creative PowerPoint presentations. Like it was things zooming in and out. Oh, yeah. and it was just, it was incredible the creativity that went in, uh, in terms of the PowerPoint presentations and, yeah, and the sort of innovative ways while they were inside prison of trying to get the message across. So writing letters to community health organizations on the outside, writing to advocacy groups, inviting them to come visit them in the prison. On it, then people who were um, illustrators or artists, you know, got involved in doing a lot of artwork. Yeah, I was going to ask about that. How 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 has the project kind of engaged or changed the culture? I suppose both within the prison and in the wider community. Have you noticed that? Um, I know for like when we were doing the prison, it was amazing because there's always us and them, you know, the correction officers and then the inmates, right? And there's always that divide. And I think during, you know, as the women were standing up there telling their stories and doing their presentations, it really was life-changing for the correction officers as well because they actually now started looking at the women instead of being, you're just a last name or a number, they all of a sudden looked at you as a person and a human and somebody who, you know, and I was, I mean, that's one reason why I do these presentations and conferences and newspaper articles, humanize people, right? They looked at these women as humans, not just as a job, Right. So it, how much it changed, it changed amazingly, you know, of the whole atmosphere inside the prison, you know, for everybody who was involved. So important. Yeah. Now, how has the kind of peer support aspect continued? So when women leave the prison now, is there ongoing peer support? I noticed you had a Facebook group. Is that a way that you deliver that? Um, yes. Yeah, so, when, so when it was ended, we started up a group called Women Into Healing um, because, like I said, um, our prison is, we have one provincial prison for all BC. So women are like five, 600 miles away from their home. Um, so how do we stay connected and how, how do we support each other? Because we are a really close-knit community. Um, we're, it's a family. You know, inside jail is a family. It's a community. And that's why our book's called Arresting Hope and Releasing Hope is because you actually have hope inside. You know, you have the support. It's family. Some of my fondest memories are from when I served time. You know, I have a drawer full of photos. Some of my best relationships are still from people I met in jail. Um, but when you get released, you're plucked out of that. And here, go on your own way. How do you find your way? You're dropped off three, 400 miles from home and say, find your way home. So we've started a peer mentor program where we hook up with women before they get out of prison and find out what their health needs or what they need help with or what support they need. Most of it's, you know, clothing, food, shelter. Right? We have a huge homeless problem, shortage of um, affordable housing, so it's a huge one. I mean, so what's the chances of somebody who gets plucked out of there and just goes back to where they came from? You know, they're going to end up back in jail right away, right? You know, nothing changes, nothing changes. So for us, as a peer, um, I want to support women so they can see what it's like not being in the drug world, not doing crime, because it's amazing out here. You know, I travel, I have my kids back in my life, I've got an education. I just want everybody to see how wonderful life can be. And there was something, Ruth, that you said at the beginning that I thought was so important, which was your kind of attitude to working in prison, and you sort of saying maybe this wasn't the most amazing job. How can we encourage amazing clinicians <laughs> and professionals to work with this population in this setting? Um, 
I think you'll never be bored if you, if you work in the prison. Uh, we need compassionate, caring people. There is very little public published about prison health, about about um, illness, disease, health. Uh, it's a phenomenal field. Um, uh, yes, I think connecting with others. So I I was quite inspired over the years with the World Health Organization Health in Prison Project in Europe, um, and would come annually to their meetings. Um, Wefren is a is an organization that Dr. Emma Plug is involved in, um, and there's a web page of prison health research. And so there's you know there's various supports now for people who are interested in this in this uh, population. But the yeah I would just say it's an amazing opportunity to actually really get involved um it's yeah it's got its challenges i'm not denying that and it can be quite lonely but i think if you connect with other people electronically or you know in other ways conferences um then you can actually kind of get re-motivated i suppose as, as the word yeah thank you i think it's great that cochran have invited you along to this conference you really stood out on the program um and yeah it's amazing work so good luck as you go forward with it Thank you very Here. much. Thank you. Cochrane for All. Better evidence for everyone. Follow the hashtag Cochrane for All to get the science and evidence to empower better decisions. Mm-hmm.